You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From May the 10th, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you know my Father also. And from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. See if you recognize the lyrics to this song. Hey Jude, got a clue yet? Don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Now this song you probably recognize as Hey Jude, written by Paul McCartney. And the story goes that Paul McCartney wrote this for young Julian Lennon as his parents were going through a divorce. Take a sad song, Jude, and make it better. Well, today, in our scripture lesson, Jesus has given the disciples a pretty sad song. You see, if we had read chapter 13 before jumping into chapter 14, we would recognize that Jesus is at the table with his disciples. They are in the upper room. This is the Last Supper. And Jesus has done a curious thing in chapter 13. He got up, he took a towel and wrapped it around himself, and then he began washing the feet of his disciples right in the middle of dinner. And then he sits down, and the scriptures tell us that he gets a, a somber look, and he begins teaching them, talking to them. This is the last 
things he will ever say to them, he tells them that he's going to die, that one of them will betray him, that Peter will deny him three times before the night is even over. A sad song he has given to them. This is a celebration. The disciples were expecting probably to have a good time, right? And Jesus gives them this sad song. He's Debbie Downer at this Last Supper. You know Debbie Downer, right? That, that character from Saturday Night Live. Debbie Downer is usually at a social setting with other people, and, and she always says something. She throws out some statement that just kind of sends the conversation down. One of her favorite things is to talk about the feline AIDS. And, she'll, and it'll be in the middle of a party, and Debbie Downer will say, did you know that feline AIDS is the number one killer of domestic cats? And then you'll hear a sad trombone go, wah, wah. Well, Jesus is at this party. He's at this festival celebration with his friends. It's a celebration of freedom from uh, the Hebrews' escape from Egypt. Think about other celebrations of freedom, like Christians, how we celebrate freedom from death, and how Americans celebrate freedom on the 4th of July, freedom from the monarchy. And they're celebrating freedom from Egypt. It's a celebration at the Passover meal. And Jesus gives them a sad song. Muzzle tough. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to die. Wah, wah. So we don't get this explicitly from the scripture, but we can infer from what happens next that the faces of the disciples sitting around that table have grown somber as well. We can almost feel, feel the, the worry, the dread, and the fear. Worry, dread, and fear. Just as common today as it was back in those days, isn't it? Maybe you've experienced a little bit of worry, dread, and fear over these past few weeks yourself. And there, uh, there's no cure for it, right? There is no vaccine for worry, dread, and fear. Oh, we sometimes self-medicate, don't we, from Everything from alcohol and drugs to sugar and carbs to work and exercise. We do all kinds of things so that we don't have to feel so palpably that worry, dread, and fear. So me, over the past few weeks, as worry and dread and fear have wanted to take root in me, I've found some ways to cope, to manage that anxiety. One of the ways I've been doing that is through walking. I'm getting about 10,000 steps in a day from the living room to the refrigerator and back, back and forth, 10,000 steps all day. And then there's some other things that I've been doing. Netflix is one of them. These aren't really healthy coping tactics, but those are some of the ways I've been coping with my worry, dread, and fear. And I've also enjoyed some of the memes and jokes going around. Now, I would tell you a coronavirus joke right now, but it would take you about two weeks to see if you got it. So, here we are. A collective state of worry, dread, and fear. Now, everybody knows that there's a pandemic called COVID-19, right? You'd have to have your head in the sand to not know that there's a pandemic called COVID-19. But what you might not recognize is that there's a concurrent 
pandemic of anxiety, of worry and dread and fear. Now, I don't think the World Health Organization has named it a pandemic, but there are studies showing that there is a growing level of depression and anxiety during this time. In fact, there's even been a recent uh, scale, a coronavirus anxiety scale developed. People rate their own uh, symptoms of anxiety when they think about the coronavirus. A concurrent pandemic of worry and dread and fear. And so there at the table, the disciples are experiencing anxiety and worry and dread and fear as Jesus has talked to them about his own impending death. But Jesus doesn't let them stay there. He takes inventory of the table and he steps back from the sad song he has given them and he offers them some compassion in the middle of their worry and their dread and their fear. Don't let your hearts be troubled, he says. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. And I will take you to be with me that where I am, you will be also. So Jesus has given them a hefty dose of realism, hasn't he? Guys, I'm going to die. But he doesn't leave them with the worry and the dread and the fear that that realism causes. He gives them hope in the form of a promise of an afterlife where they will be together in eternity. A healthy balance between realism and hope, Jesus gives them that evening there in the upper room. And what I'm finding these days, this is my take, the preacher's hot take, if you will, is that we seem to be missing the balance of realism and hope. It seems to me that people are one or the other. Either they're like on the realism scale, like we're all going to die, or on the hope side of things, oh, this is no big deal, it's just like the flu. Where's the balance? Doesn't it seem that we need a healthy balance. So let me attempt to offer, in the vein of Jesus, a little bit of both, a little bit of realism, and we'll end with a little bit of hope. So the realistic view is that this thing is not great, right? This thing is kind of bad, right? The truth is, according to all of the scientists, is that a pretty good percentage of us will end up with this virus. That's the realistic view. And as I say that, I can feel the worry and the dread and the fear wanting to jump in and take hold. But like Jesus, I'm not going to leave you there. There's a hopeful view. And the hopeful view is this, is that even a higher percentage of those who contract coronavirus will recover from it. Some, some people won't even get symptoms at all. So that's a hopeful view. What Jesus does in his offering hope to the disciples that night, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. In other words, I see that you're troubled now. Don't stay that way. And in fact, there are several translations of the Bible, as you well know. Uh, the translation we read, the NRSV, said, 
don't let, do not let your hearts be troubled. But here are some other translations. The CEV says, don't be worried. The Good News Bible said, do not be worried and upset. The NET version says, do not let your hearts be distressed. The voice translation says, don't get lost in despair. The message says this, don't let this throw you. And no matter what translation you use, something is very clear between all of them. Two things, in fact. And the first is this. This is an imperative. It is not a suggestion. This is a command. Don't let your hearts be worried. Jesus commands them. And the second thing that you can discern from all of the translations First is its command, and second is this, is that Jesus believes that the disciples have power to resist the anxiety, the worry, and the dread, and the fear, that they don't have to stay in that anxious place. They have power over that. Don't let your hearts be troubled, he says. You have power over what emotions you let take root in you. Now, These are scary days. That's what realism tells us. But these are also hopeful days. And I want to leave you with hope, just like Jesus left his friends with hope there in that upper room. And the hopeful view is this. When you think back through history, your own, as well as the history of our human race, God has carried us through things as bad, if not worse, than this. God has carried us through previous pandemics. God has carried us through wars, civil wars, world wars. God has carried us through genocide and through the Holocaust. God has carried God's people throughout history. And don't you think God can carry us through this as well? Believe in God. Believe also in me. How do, we, how do we believe that? How do we not let fear and worry and, and, and anxiety take root in us? Jesus also gives us the how. He says in the translation we read together, believe in God, believe also in me, or I actually prefer a couple of other versions. In fact, the song that Jared sang earlier Trust in God, trust also in me. We must trust that God will carry us through our current predicament. That's how we let go of the anxiety, of the worry, and the dread, and the fear. We just simply trust. Now in the hymn, that we will sing, hopefully together. Again, I want to encourage you to sing along with our soloist every week. And the hymn that we're about to sing, How Firm a Foundation, the closing lyrics in this hymn are powerful. It's a promise of God to the people of God, which says this, Though all hell should endeavor to shake, I will not, I will not, no, never, Never forsake. Let us trust in God that God will carry us through. Amen.
Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.